This is Matthew Hoagland, team lead of the Hoagland Real Estate Group at Remax Premier Properties, and you're tuning in to The Hoag List. Why do we choose to work with certain professionals and businesses? Well, I strongly believe that the number one reason we choose to work with anyone is trust. Here, we take a deeper dive into the lives of some of the best professionals that Louisville has to offer to see what makes them tick and how they can bring value to you. Let's go. All right. Hey, everybody. I want to thank you for tuning in to uh, the first episode of The Hoag List. Uh, this is, again, Matthew Hoagland with Remax Premier Properties. So just real quick, I wanted to kind of cover uh, what my thought process is behind this podcast. So I was recently at a Tom Ferry event in California. And uh, for those of you who don't know who Tom Ferry is, he is the number one real estate coach in the world. Um, and he has been somebody that I've followed throughout my career. Uh, I've always wanted to do something that uh, kind of gave back to the community and other professionals, people that I work with. And um, this is just a way that I'm, I'm trying to provide value and push their, their service and, uh, and, and that kind of thing. So uh, this is a little different from that, but I, I really wanted to, to bring on my broker uh, friend and mentor, uh, Mr. Jay Pitts. And um, Mr. Jay Pitts, he is uh, the owner broker of Remax Premier Properties. He is a second generation real estate agent uh, and just somebody that I have a lot of respect for and, and is ahead of the curve uh, on many things real estate. Uh, Jay, thank you very much for coming on today. Absolutely, Matt. Appreciate you having me, man. It's exciting. Um, it's exciting that you're doing this. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped and I am honored to be your first guest. Yeah, well, thank you. You can tell I'm, I'm a little nervous, but we're going to make it through. You're good, it's, man. Yeah, You're good. absolutely. So uh, just a couple of things, Jay, that if you could tell our listeners. So what? Uh, tell us just a little bit about your business and what you do. Sure, absolutely. So as you said, uh, principal owner or principal broker and owner of Remax Premier Properties, uh, second generation real estate guy. I've, you know, my father was a small town real estate guy. Right. There is a small town real estate guy, which kind of means a little different, a lot of less specialization. So I grew up kind of like the car dealer's kid, right? Right. I got to watch every facet, you know, from property management, rentals, flips, new construction, development, auction, yeah, you know, I mean, and, and traditional real estate sales and marketing. And my right. dad was also pretty early on the team train, okay. you know, born, you know, uh, forming a team, you know, very earlier than most, you know, for, for being in a small town, that was pretty progressive. Right. And so that made obviously a pretty big impact on me. So when I got out of college, I went into the mortgage business, uh, kind of knew that wouldn't be forever for me, but I did pretty well in a, sh in a short period of time, got out in 2007 December-ish is right. when I got into real estate full-time I'd had my license for three years already and had already started in my investment portfolio and house flipping and stuff like that so uh, yeah worst possible time really in the history which I guess we're gonna get into here in a little bit um, you know the dawn of the Great Recession right. got out of out of mortgage which was one sinking ship 
okay. into a life raft with a hole in the bottom, which was the residential real estate market at the time. Yeah. But but we made it. Well, good deal. Well, what uh, you know, something else that I was thinking about. You know, you always hear in sports, you know, the people that that get stuck to to one sport they get the burnout so with all of this experience you know growing up as a kid being around your dad uh you know did you always see yourself becoming you know what you are today no absolutely not that's why i went into mortgage first because i was looking for something i was the typical stubborn firstborn right didn't want a handout didn't want to ride dad's coattails right he had yeah. a lot of success i mean he's you know, you go to these conferences, right? These Remax conferences, you have these like these lofty career awards that you always oh, yeah. see people that have been in it for two and three decades achieving. Dad's got like all of those awards, all those plaques, uh, luminary of distinction or whatever the hell yeah. any of that means. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, my, my, my point is I, I always thought I wanted to make use of my experience and my proximity, but I also thought I wanted to do something different. And I was I was really had to be doing the mortgage business before I figured out that what I was meant to do was this. Right. And so, no, I didn't think it. I had to like swallow my pride a little bit, but I did it my own way. Yeah. You know, and interestingly enough, you know, I actually started my, my career in the real estate industry and in mortgages. And I've actually found more, more often than not that a lot of people start that way. Well, it's, it's very relevant experience. You know, people that are entrepreneurial uh, in general can find th that that to be a happy medium between the W two world right. and the self employed world. But for me, what it did was accentuate just how much I needed to be on my own. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you obviously, you know, another thing that I, I do want to tell our listeners: you have a ton of experience. Okay, so from growing up, uh, being in the you know, in this being a, a broker and leader of uh, what are we up to now? 50 to 60 agents. We're, we're just just north of 50. OK. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, uh, you know, a lot of people look to you for for advice. Uh, we really consider you being, you know, cutting edge. So we hear a lot of, you know, a lot of talks in the in the media, uh, you know, about an upcoming recession, uh, which, you know, that's that's always going to be a possibility. Uh, when we've had this much, you know, economic expansion over the last several years since 2008. Sure. Now, one thing that I did want to do today uh, for our listeners, especially consumers, what can you tell us about what your thoughts are on the next recession for whether they're going to be buying or selling a house? Uh, just kind of give us a, a brief kind well, of thought process. Well, I, I mean, my first thought is that the the narrative it's a bit breathless frankly like the media today is in the sales business right they're in the marketing and sales business mm -hmm. so people don't purchase newspapers anymore people are very actually very reticent to even subscribe to any sort of periodical or publication regularly people want free content which means that <clears throat> which means that media must drive a narrative in order to or or take a position right there's there's a lot less and i don't want to make this an indictment on the media but i have to <laughs> say this right to to kind of make the point is the media has to take a stance you know some politically will take the left some politically will take the right S frankly extremes as we know grab eyeballs 
they grab attention. So by the media taking a contrarian position that w- w- that we're in a um, a robust economy now, but there is a recession coming, that grabs attention. So I, I just it, it's breathless, frankly. Like people are people are being fed a narrative. And the media is controlling that. And so I, I don't believe it. I do believe that another recession is coming. But that can be said at any point in time in history and be true. Our economy is cyclical. Okay, confidence is now high. Confidence will eventually come down. When that's going to happen, I can't say. If you'd asked me in 2015, I would have said 2017. If you'd asked me in 2018, I'd have said 2020. Okay, now I'm not sure, right? It okay. doesn't feel like it's next year. Now, at the same time, I remember 2016 presidential election year where the rhetoric is highest, okay, where the opportunity for change is greatest. And so I remember how the market slowed down substantially surrounding the, the presidential election in 2016. So who's to say that that won't happen again in 2020? Yeah, I mean, whether it's going to be the first part of the year or the last part of the year. or I, I don't know. know. I, I, mean, ca- I can't say. Here's one thing I will tell you, Matt. It's very, very important to understand this. At the peak of the Great Recession, okay, so 28 to 2012, 27 to 2010, different figures. The, the definition of recession is also important. You know, it's just the absence of economic growth. Do you know that? No, I didn't. So, know that. so the a recession, okay, is essentially just the absence of economic growth. So GDP growth, you hear three, four percent, two percent, one percent, whatever. Like zero percent equals recession. Oh, really? Do you understand that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, <clears throat> the status quo, where we are now, okay, if it continues, that is a recession. So. Okay. <clears throat> the likelihood of a recession happening in the near future is actually fairly great. But the thing to consider is that doesn't control the entire economy. The word recession is charged by the media because of the the severity of the last recession. And look at this. At the peak of the recession, unemployment was 10%. Okay. Do you know what unemployment unemployment is today? Uh, I think it, last time I looked, it was maybe somewhere a little under 3 it's it's greater than three. It's three point seven. Okay, right. Okay. Depending on who you talk to. Gotcha. But um, I mean that is a vast, vast difference. Ten percent, and, and the average unemployment throughout the Great Recession, which is why they call it the Great Recession, because it was more severe than most. But the average unemployment was nine and a half. I mean we're we're at we're at a third of that now. Well, and I think something else to to take into consideration. Uh, you know, heading into if if we do come into this recession in the next year, uh, we're still at a shortage of inventory of homes homes to sell. And and in in addition to that, uh, you know, interest rates are still historically low, and they're 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 kind of still trending that way. Um, you know, and, and then in addition to that, uh, you know, the the last recession, so to speak, heading into that, you know. There was a lot of bad loans. You know, people were taking out arms, and uh, whereas now you have more people with stable credit, thirty-year mortgages. Um, so, I mean, I think that just that looks uh, a look for a little bit more of a positive outlook going into this next recession. And then, in addition to that, even we've got 
you know, many economists think that this will be a shorter recession because of where the market is now heading into, you know, heading into next year and the, the years beyond. It's pretty crazy to think that people would expect. I mean, you, you were you and I were talking about this before we started recording. And I, I mean, there's something crazy like 50 percent. I don't want to steal your stats, but 50 percent of people think it's going to be worse. Yeah, it's actually uh, 57% of consumers through a Realtor.com survey that I looked at uh, believe that this recession will be as bad or worse. I mean, and that's that's crazy to me, frankly, because the last recession was dubbed the Great Recession for a reason. I mean, there was thoughts that it could have, you know, without you know, government intervention could have went into depression category, which is a whole nother level of severity, which we won't get into today. But like the consumer really, it it occurs to me that there are all sorts of consumers out there that don't understand, have not lived through normal quote unquote times. You know, you've had the bubble, you know, the run up and bubble burst that was 90s, late 90s to 2005, you had market trending sideways for a couple of years, then then severe recession, most severe in the last five cycles we've had. Correct. And then you've had, you know, this meteoric comeback from, say, 2011 to current, which is eight years running, by the way. I mean, start yeah. to finish cycles in the past have lasted seven years. So peak to trough, right? Seven years, and we're in eight years plus of good sunny skies, right? right. It's just really, it, it really is kind of crazy. I know we're in new normals, but you know, I was just looking at some stuff before we came on today, and do you know that by 2020, 50% of the nation's workforce will be made up of millennials? Did you know that? No, it makes me 50, feel a little old. 50%, well, you're, yeah. you're a millennial. By definition, yes, you are. I am. I, I'm older than you, and I am. 1981 to 1996 <clears throat> is the definition, current definition of the millennial yeah, generation. Some, I, I found something else that I read that that doesn't have us as millennials. But well, originally I think it was 84, and they keep pushing it back. Well, and there's there's <clears throat> actually there's actually a, a term for like there's a cutoff from 78 to 85 or something like that. It? It's it may still be considered millennials. Yeah. But yeah. Is it millennial old? Because no, that no. was my term for it. I'm <laughs> no. I'm a millennial old. Yeah, no. We, but anyhow, we'll, we'll move on here. But um well, real quick, before you do. By 2030, just 10 years away. Okay. Okay. The workforce will be made up 75% by millennials and there's 70 million millennials. Okay. So to back to your point, okay. You know, the baby boomer generation is 65 million. Okay. So back to your point about shortage of inventory. Okay. Millennials are having babies, getting married, settling down. We know that life change buys houses, sells and buys houses, and there's 70 million of them. And they're going to make up the entire workforce pretty soon. And we don't have enough houses. And we don't have enough houses to sell them. <laughs> right. So anyway. Well, and I think going back to, to the point that I really wanted to drive home today, um, you know, speaking of millennials, most of them are doing what on their phones all the time? Just flipping. Texting, scrolling. scrolling. So if we're, if we're constantly putting out ads and articles that, you know, it's gloom and doom ahead without facts, you know, things that, that are going on, then 
that's what's going to, you know, it's going to scare people from buying. And then I'm going to throw one more stat out from you. Uh, so 55% of people that are currently uh, looking that if they heard or knew that we were in a recession, that they would stop, stop their plans. To Why? Leave. Why? Yeah. I mean, and, and that's kind of what we're, what, what we're getting at or what, at least what I'm trying to get at is interest rates are still good. It's still a really good time to sell. Um, it's still a really good time to buy. And I just think that the, the recession talk is, is kind of bogus. It's really unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you, that you could share, uh, just thoughts on the, the market or anything like that that you'd like to share with our listeners before we, we cut out of here? You know, it's, it's interesting. Are we talking about Louisville? Are we talking about national? national? What, what do you think? You know, I think national <laughs> perception, just in, you know, I, I know across different markets, it's going to be, it's going to affect areas a little bit different, but uh, maybe from a national and then yeah, a smaller well, scale. Yeah, well, I will say what that. What you're seeing here. I will say that the trend of offshore money investing on the coasts, pushing coastal investors inward, is going to continue to play a major role in our supply-demand situation. Because what you have now is you have coastal investors willing to pay nearly what owner occupants will pay for <clears throat> moderately priced real estate, entry level real estate. Mm -hmm. um, you know the, the the balance of investor ownership versus um, you know owner occupant ownership is is tilting in the favor of investors percentages wise. It's, right. It has been nearly fifty fifty for years, and it's starting to get a little disparate in favor of the investor. And that's going to continue. Okay. Um, local investors is going to continue. They're going to continue to be challenged. Um, simultaneously, what you have is you have prices increasing. So like you got local investors existing in that space where coastal investors have pushed property values higher. So, I mean, it, my, here's, here's, I guess what I'm going to say is Louisville is still extremely, extremely valuable in terms of or attractive in terms of affordability. And I think that if a buyer, which that's, that's what we've seen. We've seen the last few months, a little bit of a slowdown since the summer peak. And I think sure. it's, it's really just, it's really just demand. We know that supply has been short. That's been new normal for us. That's three years running, right? Tiny supply, like two mm -hmm. to three months supply. But when the demand slows, the transactions really slow down because there's no houses on the market, right? Right. <clears throat> so, um, I, I guess I guess the the takeaway from all of that is just if you are in the market, if you are considering a move, now is a good time because you're going to look back in ten years, and prices will have escalated substantially. Two hundred plus. Yeah, I mean it's 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 going to be a figment of our imagination to buy something under two hundred thousand in the east side of Louisville in 10 years yeah i mean and there's still there's still inventory you know sub 200 you know it won't it won't exist in a few years and if you can lock in a four percent 30-year fixed rate mortgage on something under 200k to, right. in, to enter the market instead of renting you need to do that because you're going to be selling it for 289 in 10 years right, right? you're going to buy a 169 you're going to sell it for 289 and you're set at that point you're going to roll 120k into your, I mean, or more into your next property. 
Well, and, and I, again, just before we close, I, I kind of want to talk to something about something on to that point. You know, even myself, you know, I have I have started investing in 2016 and I've probably from the money that I've invested for the last three and a half years, I've probably almost doubled my investment. Just amazing. From, yeah. I mean, and it's in just, a couple of years. Yeah. And, and it's mostly passive income. Exactly. I mean, you've got you got to put a little work in. You got to oh. scout the deal. You got to renovate the house. You got to put a renter in. You got to take a call every once in a while. But it's mostly passive. Don't don't let don't let bigger pockets tell you it's all passive income. Don't let them teach you that. <laughs> you you there is no truly pa- passive income in terms of real estate unless you buy a REIT, you know, and and invest okay. in the stock market real yeah, estate. I mean, that's that's completely hands off. <clears throat> yeah, so. but this but this is this is virtually hands off, and. And you've done well. Yeah, well, it's thank pretty, you. It's pretty amazing. Well, Jay, I just want to let you know how much I appreciate uh, you being my first guest. Uh, was able to get through this first podcast. I'm pretty pumped about it. A little out of my comfort zone. So uh, you did great. But anyway, man. yeah, I appreciate that. So, uh, guys, check in next time. Uh, next week, I will actually have a good friend and buddy of mine, John Phelps, with Phelps Property Maintenance, uh, just to talk a little bit about getting your house ready for the fall market. Uh, or for the fall season excuse me i've got market on my mind too much there it's all right uh, some people sell in the fall too yeah oh absolutely (laughs) so all right thank you again uh this is matthew hoagland remax premier properties you're tuning in to the hoag list and i will see you all next week thank you